Welcome to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast where you'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome my old friend, Patricia Fripp. How are you? I am wonderful and always thrilled to talk to you, Dan. You were the first person who taught me anything about the internet. Well, thank you. Uh, We do go back a long way, and I remember you as being the first female president of the National Speakers Association. You uh, are almost the godmother of the entire speaking industry. I remember seeing you at NSA conferences where I could not even say hello to you because you were mobbed by fans who were asking you for all sorts of questions. But for our audience, who may not know about you, why don't you give us a snapshot of how you developed your speaking skills? Well, if you had met me, Dan, when I was 12 years old, I was growing up in a small town in England. My father was a successful entrepreneur. And I vividly remember being in my father's office on a Sunday because we lived above the business, my father's business premises. And I was flicking through the Sunday newspapers and I was looking at the news of the world, which is rather a tacky newspaper. And there was a picture of a movie star. And in those days, of course, if you got off a plane, you would walk down to the tarmac. So she was standing in the door of the plane, you know, posing. And she had this wonderful suit and mink coat. And I had a flash. It was almost as if there was a jolt of electricity went through my body. And I knew one day I am going to have a life where I'm wearing glamorous clothes and mink coats and I'm going to be traveling on planes around the world. I had no inkling how I would do it because at that time I realized I definitely was more artistic than academic. My brother was brilliant. He was always top of the class. I was about 15th in the class of 30. So I thought I I should be a hairstylist because I couldn't imagine being a secretary, a nurse, or a school teacher, which were really the only other options for young women. Now, fast forward, at 20, after being successful as a hairstylist, I I came to San Francisco. I had no job, nowhere to live, no contacts, $500, and I knew everyone in America was rich and the streets were paved with movie stars. And my first job was in the Mark Hopkins Hotel. And I'm a great believer, Dan, that opportunity does not knock once, it knocks all the time. We don't recognize the sound, as our friend Alan Weiss, I believe, first said. I always realized as a hairstylist, I had the opportunity for an education. And I used to ask questions of all my clients. Then at 23, working for... uh, uh, Hollywood hairstylist when men's hairstyling was new I had access to all these brilliant business people who were sitting in my chair I started traveling nationwide for hair product companies 
That's where my speaking began because I've had two careers, as you know, hairstyling and speaking. I did not start either with any real talent. I did for both have an interest in being good and a commitment to doing whatever it took to be good and succeed. And three, I always had good teachers, whether I worked for them, whether I sought them out, I bought their books, I took their seminars, and that, of course, I sat at your feet as a guru who knew something I didn't. And that's what it takes. There's answers to how to be good at anything if you have, and it's beyond an interest. Everyone has an interest. Everyone who listens to your podcast has an interest in writing a book. Do they have the commitment to do it? That's very different. And there's always help. So, of course, once I started speaking, then I went to, I attended, I believe, 42 NSA national conventions and winter workshops. Even before NSA, I attended every seminar I ever heard of with my best friends from the Dale Carnegie course. And because you always have to associate with ambitious people. It's going to, when you have, if you're writing, which is the main focus here, you do not want to surround yourself with people who said, oh, come on, what do you think you can write about? You've got nothing to write about. You're not very interesting. No, you want people who encourage you. Of course, you've got a message. And yes, let's find a unique way of saying it. So I sought out the help that was there. I hired speech coaches, never knowing that one day I would be one. So I would say I learned from others. I absorbed myself in what I was interested in. So not every speaker and speech coach has attended 10 screenwriting classes. Not that I have the talent or the interest, but you know, Dan, that Hollywood knows how to tell a good story. So whether you are a writer or a speaker, you can learn from Hollywood principles what will make my story of speech better. So that is a summation of 40 years of studying speaking. Thank Actually, 43. <laughs> but who's counting? But thank you very much for that uh, snapshot of your incredible life. You've helped many, many speakers tell their stories effectively. Today, we're going to focus on how people who've written books, business books, can turn their books into a speech, whether it be a keynote speech or a breakout speech at a Zoominar or an in-person speech? Because a lot of people say, well, I've written a book and either I have 22 chapters, I have 22 wonderful points, how do I get them all out there? That's question number one. Or, you know, I love them all, they're all my babies, you know, <laughs> 22 wonderful ones. Or, you know, my stuff is really dull and boring and, you know, why would anyone want to listen to me? So with those two overarching questions, I will leave them to you and wait for your wonderful answers. Every book as every speech, every TV show, every movie, is built on a premise, a big idea, a central theme, the dominant thought. So if people come to me for coaching, I while they're writing a book, I usually say, 
it's difficult to focus on both at the same time. So why don't you finish your book? And it, you don't have to wait till it gets published. But once you know what's going in the book, then we are going to take the same premise or central thing, at least if this is a how-to book, a business book which I think is more your market rather than a thriller, which I love to listen to. So what is, so the big idea, so it might be, help, I have to give a speech, or yippee, I want to give a speech. So it's how do you create a masterpiece speech? So you would look within your 22 chapters or 13 chapters, and you would have to think, what are the basic necessities? So if it were everything I know about speaking in a book, then my speech would be probably here are five principles that will make your speech better. Now, I might have 22 chapters, but I have to pick five ideas. And you can get away with probably three ideas because the idea of TED Talks, you're going to have one idea well-developed. Keynotes, traditionally, when we were beginning, Dan, were more an hour keynote. Now you've probably got 30 minutes. However, you have to have a 15, a 20, a 30, a 40, a 45, a 50, an hour version of your speech. Now, if you are delivering your speech to sell your book, a good 25 to 30 minutes will get you service clubs, even virtual service clubs now. That's what you're going to get. So I would suggest you take your same premise and your three talking points. Then as you look and you might cull, and think of it this way, if you love all 22 chapters, you have to think, if I really had to, take 11 of those chapters. If, if my, all my chapters had to fight their way back into the book because I want a half the length book, you've got the 11, all right? Now you say, well, for your speech of these 11, which three could I not live without? Or what three principles could I tell my story of my book is a, is a mini version? It's... It's not a, a three-page synopsis. However, it's probably a 12-page synopsis of your book. So then, in a speech, you need a great story for each point. So perhaps some of your chapters in your book are more... They, they have more statistics. They might have case histories, but they might be principles. This is how you do it. So, uh, and most, most authors, I've helped develop their speech. I say, you've got to reread your book. You've got to scan through it. Because usually by the time they edit it, they proofed it. They had it published. They're sick of it. And if I've just read it recently, I can remember what's in it more than them. So I see you just need to scan through and circle all the best stories. And then you think, all right, so I now I have the central theme of the book. I got my three, maybe five in case they give me longer. Absolutely best ideas and the chapters that it come from. Then what are the best stories? 
And I would say if you're given a speech, it would be better to have three of your 22 or 11 favorite chapters and give two to three stories with each one. Now, as you introduce one idea from your book, you have you need a simple formula that you follow. So you introduce one idea. I call them points of wisdom. Now, your points of wisdom have to prove your premise. In other words, if mine is you can you can create a dynamic speech, every one of my talking points. So this is the first way you're going to create a dynamic speech, a second way to, to create a dynamic speech. The third way, each talking point, point of wisdom, has to, of course, answer the question of, hey, I bought this book, now I'm going to learn how to do something. So you introduce the idea, then maybe you need an explanation. What do you mean by that? And then you're going to give me an example using this idea and then you might think well this is an example of how a writer developed their first speech now my second example could be now he is a corporate executive who was known for his good presentations and he was thinking of retiring so he wrote a book around how he turned around three companies so I got one point and illustrated with two different points of view. Now, you might also add a story of now this is how I developed this idea. So if you're going to do that, it would be this is the idea. This is an explanation. This is how I developed it. This is this example. This is a second example. And. If you're really going to write, if you're really going to write a speech on your book, this is the action you take. Then the second one, second idea, same formula. Does it need an explanation? How did you discover, incorporate or improve it? Another case histories. Now, again, if you have a short speech, let's just say you have a 20 minute speech. You're going to give your three ideas. Then it's better to tell the story of your three or four or five principles through the eyes of two different characters. Because, of course, if you want to prove my techniques work, I don't care who you are. You can be in sales. You can be a leader. You can be an entrepreneur. You can be a consultant. If that is if you want to expand your market then you might have a different example for each talking point. You might have two different types of people with each talking point to prove your principles are universal. If you have a shorter period of time, it is better to tell the story of your through principles through two characters because you always have to develop who is this character, what's their backstory, and if you don't have long, it's better to only develop a couple of characters. Does that make sense? It certainly does. Now, you have a number of techniques that I've seen you use to sell books from the platform. Can you share a few of those with our listeners? Well, one, it is very good to give a book away for a prompt. 
And if this is more of, of a large breakout session, my, my approach has always been be your own warm-up act. So I talk to people before we officially begin. I'll wander around and schmooze with them. However, what is also good, if you got half your crowd there, then grab the mic and start interacting. Uh, find out what they want. Give them segments of content not going to be in the speech. Hmm. And what I like to do is say, I'd like a volunteer. Now, before you all leap to your feet and volunteer, let me tell you what I want from the volunteer. One, you do not have to say a word. <laughs> because then that increases your likelihood. I say, two, I am going to ask the audience what they want from this session, and I would like my volunteer to write on the flip chart. Because you have to make it safe. When people ask for volunteers and don't tell the audience what you want of them, you're going to, I mean, I can't, I have, Dan, I can speak in front of 15,000 strangers and not be nervous. But if you think I had to sing happy birthday on stage, I couldn't do it. I can't, <laughs> I cannot sing. I can speak, but I can't sing. So in case people think I'm going to have to dance or sing on stage, I'm not going to volunteer. Tell me I have to write on a flip chart. Sure, I can do it. And then this is a technique. And I learned this from Fred Herman in 1976 before I even went to NSA. He's, and this is, he got a volunteer and the, he said these exact words that I use and I give them to our audience. He said, this is a sales seminar. However, as a bonus, this is a leadership principle. Delegate and always reward. And he gave a copy of something. It was probably the book, but that's it. You see, you ask for a volunteer, you make it safe. You give them a reward, even though they volunteered for not, they didn't know they were getting anything. So not only is that a great principle, this is about presentation skills. However, the first leadership principle is delegate. And always reward. Thank you, Mary. And then you can always say, well, one, you have programmed the audience. If they volunteer, they're going to get a prize. And now I usually often give a lot of CDs out. But it is amazing it, that I believe uh, in the business, Dan, they will call that an ethical bribe. <laughs> you volunteer, you, it gets the energy. Wow, did you see? You know, the, the, the organizers walking by say, wow, Fripp's got so much participation in her session. That's not happening anywhere else. Well, you're giving them little rewards. And, but that is a great way. Now, another way is you, you ask people, give me a number. And you open your book at whatever number they give you. And then you look at that page. And remember, you don't know what it is, but you read a principle. And as long as your book is on the principle of your speech, I 100% guarantee you there is something on that page that you wrote that you can put in your seminar that works. 
and that way they see that you have a book and they can buy the book. Yes, and once you've given a couple of away as prizes, you can say, you look at somebody as if it is an aside. Now, Jerry Lewis said, my best ad-libs take eight hours to write. (laughs) So what I call these is back pocket phrases. These are lines you've already created, but they're in your back pocket. You never quite know when you're going to use them, but they just come out. So then you look at someone in the front row. You look in their eyes lovingly and say, don't worry, Dan. Even if you don't win a book, they are available on the back table. (laughs) And I'll be happy to autograph it for you. So you see, everybody knows you have it. Plus, now in a lot of breakout sessions, you have to introduce yourself. But if you are delivering a presentation where you have an introducer, I would put in the introduction for the introducer to write. And I know what a lot of speakers do is this is what you say to to introduce me. This is what you say when you come up after before you send them to the break. And then you say, if you were not lucky enough to win one of Patricia's books, yes, as she told you, they are available in the break and at lunchtime. Fantastic ideas. I haven't heard those before. That's really good. I remember years ago you told me that you'd pick up a book and say, or someone would ask a question, and they'd say, well, on page 68 of my book, I actually answered that question, and here it is. Or you would say things like, um, I coach, when I was coaching someone on this, or when I was helping this person with this project as a consultant, and that way they would know that you are a coach or a consultant or a speaker or a trainer. And I thought that was brilliant. I teach my clients that all the time and I owe that to you. So I thank you very much. Patricia, do you have any final tips on how a business writer, consultant, coach, speaker can turn their book into an exciting, dynamic speech? I would recommend that they read i would well i would recommend that they record the audio version of their book why is that one because it's another product to sell it is repurposing your information our friend susan rowan has done a very good job and it's not as easy as you think if you're going to do it well, which is why professional voice actors read most of the books that I read. It it will help you as you are reading out loud to tap into what stories are easier to tell in a speech. Ooh, I like that. So you see, we are all busy people. And just as we can repurpose our content from our book, we can have blog posts, we can have tweetable quotes, we have short paragraphs that can go onto LinkedIn and different social media. You can also, but if you you can have your if you read your book 
And I, you, what you can do, you can read your book in Zoom, or you could read your book, just audio, and then as you find these stories, make a note, you can record them in Zoom. That is a nice, cheap, easy way to record them in Zoom. And you have the, the video of that story that you can put on, you can embed in your blog, or you can put on YouTube with a link to you know, the write-up, uh, soon-to-be best-selling book by Mary Smith, click here for more information, and then she's telling the story about such and such. Fantastic idea. Patricia, as we uh, close our time today, can you tell us who your perfect client is and how they can get in touch with you? My perfect client is anyone who has a commitment to become a better speaker whether it is an ambitious professional, a leader who has to inspire action and commitment, or a sales manager who wants their sales teams to drive more business through their presentations, or a good professional speaker who wants to be world-class. And if everybody goes to Fripp, F-R-I-P-P dot com. I've got nearly a thousand blog posts, free magnificent resources on how to put together a speech. And uh, you can link on Fripp VT, which is the best of what I have learned in 40 plus years studying speaking in a very affordable learn at your own pace in online learning system. Fantastic. I've been at your site. There are tremendous resources that would help everyone, no matter where they are in their career or their confidence level with speaking. You really have a whole encyclopedia or university there for, on your FRIP VT, VT for virtual training. Uh, so cool. Thank you very much for joining us today, Patricia. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.